Deer found her. As you know, there's no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You wear so many hats, you burn the midnight oil, you pour your heart and soul into everything that you do. But without a doubt, the journey is worth every single second that you put into it. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, host of the Dear Founder podcast. I say this because I've lived it for over a decade. I started my first company with $500 in my pocket and a baby in my belly. I grew it and I sold it all. This podcast is my weekly letter to you. We'll talk all things starting, growing, nurturing, and in some cases, even selling a business. Together with some of my closest contacts, I'm here to help you find your own success, whatever that means to you. The ride as a founder is the ride of your life. So come on in and join me for another episode that will get you one step closer to reaching your own founder goals. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. Christy Besu started her business in her own kitchen, and within a very short time frame, her guilt-free brownies were bringing in seven figures of top-line revenue. I promise you, this is a story that you do not want to miss. Cuban-American Christy Besu started baking Eat Me Guilt-Free Treats straight from her very own kitchen in 2013, while working at the same time as a registered nurse and a certified sports nutritionist. What began as a passion project soon turned into a small business for this mom of three as she discovered the importance and satisfaction of providing protein-packed and better-for-you foods to others. Eat Me Guilt-Free was created to fill a void for Besu's original customers. She worked very closely with clients to craft nutrition programs, helping them with everything from disease management to improving labs to just being able to move and feel better about themselves. Eat Me Guilt-Free has worked hard to help consumers feel less restricted and more open to being able to enjoy everyday foods they love without sacrificing taste. Eat Me Guilt-Free's consumer base continues to consistently broaden from athletes to bariatric patients to everyday consumers who are conscious about what they put into their bodies for a range of reasons beyond external appearance. Since its inception, Eat Me Guilt-Free has grown from a direct-to-consumer online business with sales fueled by Instagram to being distributed nationally and internationally. Today, Besu's guilt-free and protein-packed brownies, bread, baguettes, and other tort- and tortilla wraps are available for purchase at more than 7,500 independent retailers nationwide, including GNC, The Vitamin Shop, Amazon.com, Walmart.com, and EatMeGuiltFree.com. Eat Me Guilt Free is, a cert- is certified by the Women's Business Enterprise National Council. I'd like for you to come on in, please, and meet my friend, Christy Besu. All right. So today on Dear Founder, we have Christy Besu, who is the founder and CEO of Eat Me Guilt Free. And some of you may recognize the name of her brand from some of our gift guides because we've featured them before. Um, but I came across Christy's company on Instagram and through her publicist, who so graciously introduced us. And I, her story is fascinating and her company is fascinating. And I am so excited that you're here, Christy. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Lindsay. I'm so excited to kind of, I guess, like like we were mentioning earlier, when we were just kind of getting acquainted, I love connecting and kind of, you know, going back and forth and, and finding things that align. So this is always fun. Good. So start us off. Tell us about Eat Me Guilt Free, how you started it, what it is for those who don't know, and then we'll get into it. Okay. So Eat Me Guilt Free started off as a brownie. A uh, uh, high protein, you know, low carb brownie is what I called it back then. And now it's, you know, a better for you brand. Uh, we make bread, we make tortillas, 
uh, all better for you, of course. And, you know, they're consumer packaged goods. So they're, you know, have a shelf life. You can find them in stores like the vitamin shop, GNC, and your grocery stores nowadays. And our, basically how we got started, Eat Me Guilt Free, um, everyone always asks me what's guilt, you know, what's guilt free about it is that we kind of take real products that people love to eat and crave and swap out some of the ingredients, not, and, and make better nutrition facts and like better, better for you products out of it. Like typically they're calorie conscious, you know, a little bit lower in carbs. So they fit all different types of eating styles. It's not so niche. And I think that's one of the reasons, cause we're about to hit year eight and we've been able to kind of sustain and grow with different types of eating styles and different communities. Cause it doesn't fall into like just paleo or just keto. You know, we try to kind of take everyone's better for you definition and try our best to fit those and always be delicious. So that's what Eat Me Guilt Free is. And we started on Instagram. Uh, 2014, I was sharing my uh, journey and what I was doing. And I opened an e-com store and like, lo and behold, other people wanted this chocolate brownie that I was making for myself and, and my clients, but I definitely wasn't a baker. I was a, I was a nurse. I worked in the emergency room and I had gotten into uh, being a certified uh, nutrition sports nutritionist. So it was just kind of like the perfect storm for, in a good way. <laughs> During when Instagram was still organic and, and, and I don't want to say it's not fun anymore, but it's definitely a machine. Yes. There's definitely more strategy behind what you're doing now than there was then when you could post something and reach a gazillion people unbeknownst to you. So, mm-hmm. so wait, so you are an RN, you are a mom of three. Yes. Yes. I and am. you have this passion project because essentially this is what it was. It was a passion project at first Absolutely. and you post it on Instagram and people want it. So yeah. what do you do and how do you know what to do? Yeah. So I didn't know what to do. Um, I think one of the things that is a common denominator amongst most founders and entrepreneurs is that we have a tendency to execute, right? You don't know what to do, but you just do, right? You kind of like answer to to what people are asking for. And since I was sharing what my clients were asking for, like personally in in Miami um, and what I wanted, people were kind of like, oh, I I really want to eat something sweet. So that's how this brownie came to be. Can I? went into my kitchen and, and concocted one or my first formula. When I was sharing that on Instagram, I, I found that I didn't know what an influencer was or like, and people in California and New York were asking me, Hey, can you send these to me? And I was like, sure. Same thing that people are doing now on totally on purpose. So I just kind of would send them out, send them out. I wouldn't obviously charge for them. They had a four week shelf life, which is like unheard of for uh, consumer packaged goods. And I just kind of made them. I didn't really have a plan, if if that makes any sense. I think that a lot of these stories start out that way. They were wrapped in saran wrap and I made stickers, but I very quickly created a website. I think it was Wix back then and started to work on packaging. And I, I that's one of the, the things that was like the most shocking and also the most validating and helped me keep going is that first year. I mean, I went into someone's kitchen and borrowed, you know, it's rented out, but I did like almost a million dollars in, in, in brownies and just bananas. So at this moment, you're renting out someone's commercial kitchen and 
Is it just you baking the brownies and sending them out? Or do, like, I, I mean, a million dollars is a lot of brownies. Yeah, it is. I would use people that would temporarily help me. So it would be me, my nanny, right? <laughs> um, my kids sometimes would just be there because I had to take them <laughs> with me. I had three and they were younger. Now they're like 21, 20 and 15. But back then they were younger. And and I would, my family, my friends would help me. And slowly but surely, you know, I think for a long time, I was, I would use like three or four people, you know, because you can typically bake in a commercial oven, large quantities. And I kind of got cer- certain parts automated. I realized that I needed a machine to wrap them, you know, early on. Yeah. Because that was impossible to do uh, by hand because they were like a sealing machine at first. I would like put them in a bag and seal them. You can picture that after the saran wrap. So that's, that's basically how it started. It was a chocolate brownie. Then it was a blondie because people started to say that was a really cool thing about Instagram. You, you were able to really communicate with, you still can, right. You can communicate with your followers and, and, and answer to what they're asking for. But you started a business really based on word of mouth marketing. It was Mm -hmm. totally organic and totally not planned and unexpected. Yes. Right. Yes. I mean, these all of the above. All I, of the I mean, above. you were probably like, holy shit, what do I do? Yeah. And you just start Googling YouTube. You know, you, I started to use my resources um, as a nutritionist because in Miami, I had a lot of clients that were accountants and all sorts of different walks of life. And I would I didn't have a mentor. So I would just ask different people in different industries that seemed like it would align a little, even if they didn't work in food or, Hey, what do you think about this? Can you, you know, lead me in the right direction? Where do you think you would look for this? And that's kind of how I got by for quite some time for years for like maybe the first three years, four years. When did you leave your job as a nurse? That first year. So like yeah. during the first year when you, like you probably couldn't keep up with both. Right. And you realized that you were selling enough of the product that it was probably more than making up for your salary. Right. And I realized that even though I hadn't really figured out how to get the cost down yet, but there was the potential to figure all this out. So I was like, if I want to do this, I'm going to have to, you know, take that leap and, and give it. And I, I feel that that's a question that a lot of people ask, you know, when do I leave? Uh-huh. And it's scary. It is definitely scary. I did consult for nutrition, you know, for a long time, because that was something that I could do. And that was something that you could do to kind of keep the lights on and it was relevant and it was on your time and flexible. Mm -hmm. You didn't have to go into the hospital to do it and to work a shift, right? Exactly. Because I worked in the emergency room for nine years and that's very stable. You know, you know, you're going to get paid. They need you. (laughs) It's definitely, uh, you know, different. You can speak to most entrepreneurs, you know. (laughs) What was the moment that you realized, like the aha moment that you realized that you were onto something? I guess when I started to see how, I guess that first year, it was watching month to month growth, you know, like from first month, second month, third month, I was like, wow, this is something that regardless of, I guess, the naysayers and people saying like, oh, that's not going to work. You know, something with such a short period of shelf life and this and the other. And I I realized, though, they're wrong. This is going to work. You know, like, yeah, there are some things that need to be sorted out and, and, but it was definitely something that was needed. The better for you food industry really 
back then I feel like we had protein shakes. We didn't really have. And the other thing I noticed, um, I guess later a few years in, which is another aha moment is that most brands that were better for you were trying to offer something that was a little cleaner or healthier. We're coming at the, the consumer as a fitness brand, right. Or very, almost in an intimidating fashion. And I think that um, like, I've always wanted to be in the grocery store or in a store where the regular food is, you know, and it's just a different option. It's just, it tastes, it's the same thing. It just has different ingredients. Right. And I think that that, that was a different approach. And I realized that that people were responding really well to that. That was an aha moment for me as well. Guess what? I have two spots open on my coaching calendar starting October 1st. Many of you have asked me how you can work with me one-on-one to build your community through sustainable social media practices, partnerships and collaborations, email marketing, publicity, and more. Earlier this summer when I announced I was taking clients, the spots filled up in less than a week. But good news, my calendar is opening up and I'll be taking on two new clients later this fall. If you're interested, simply grab 30 minutes from me through the link in the show notes and let's talk about how we can work together to build your community for bottom line growth. I can't wait to meet you. So when did the business shift? Because there had to have been a shift from that initial first year. You're, you're growing at a rapid pace. You have your nanny helping you bake. You know, you're in someone's rented commercial kitchen. You give up your job as a registered nurse. You're consulting in, with nutrition on the side. But like, obviously, you have a huge business now. I mean, you're sold in 7,500 independent retailers nationwide. I mean, you have a huge business. So when was that shift and what happened during that shift to make so, that shift? Yeah. So I guess I stayed with a direct to consumer, um, I guess, style business for up until 2019 and 2014. So I, I kind of stayed there for quite some time, which was kind of, I think, a plus because I got my fingers on the pulse since I was able to communicate with with what was going on in the industry, you know, how people felt. but. I was having difficulty because the algorithm changed. Um, I couldn't grow anymore. And I started to have, you know, I had taken out um, in order to get thinking that I could grow, like, you know, just kind of putting, pumping more money into advertising or whatever. I ended up like taking on these merchant loans that were really expensive. And I was like, oh my goodness, I have to fix this. You know, this is, <laughs> this is definitely, so I, you know, I'm sure everybody's business was like this kind of ebb, ebb and flow. I realized I had three or four people. I guess that's what you were saying. I still was pretty small since I was D to C and then maybe would use like 10 people to bake. But then I switched to using co-packing bakeries, which I'm sure like yeah. uh, you use your own uh, formula and somebody else's bakery. In 2019 is when I kind of like, really, really shifted and decided if I'm going to grow, yes, direct to consumer is the future and everything's digital, but there's a lot of this country and a lot of the world that, you know, connection is important. People want to see things and and if it's in stores. So I went to a distributor, my first distributor, which was like a sports distributor that would get uh, basically distributed to smaller, like not vitamin shops and GNCs, but versions of it that weren't big box, you know, and that was that was a really good move because it was a good introduction to distribution. That was where we made a really big shift again. I ended up having to hire, we were under 10 still, you know, as far as like marketing and sales and organization operations. 
Um, but we we changed from being just a DTC brand to starting to distribute in 2019, right before the pandemic. <laughs> it was uh, it was pretty cool to see. We, we were all like always teetering at the top of being like their top selling brand at that distributor. In February of 2020 is when we launched at Vitamin Shop, which I think had like 900 stores um, a month before um, COVID. Oh <laughs> so, I mean, we were lucky to at least be able to see what happened, you know, non-COVID yeah. in the stores. We became their number one grab and go right away uh, within that first week. And that was, that was another aha moment. Like, okay, this is, we're not, you know, I guess validating that this this can work, you know, uh, and get into stores and, and be, I can, this is working. Uh, but then, of course, just like everyone else, we had to shift again because all of these meetings we had gone to to get into the grocery stores and down the drain, they weren't taking on new, right. new customers or new brands. So in 2020, we had to shift back over to D2C. And we did. We definitely did. Um were the stores that you were in though still carrying your product at that time? Were they still filling orders or were they did they pause because of the pandemic? Paused. Okay. They paused. So we really had to pick up on on like our direct to consumer when I say D2C, our direct to consumer sales. Yeah. Online. And it was interesting because I thought that I was like trying to figure out how to distribute and changing the whole business model. And I had to kind of go back. back around. Yeah. Um but we, you know, we successfully did it. And I, I feel like that year we grew, we, we still grew, you know, it was, and I had been before 2019, I had been kind of plateaued, wasn't growing until I started to distribute. So I was like, oh my goodness, I was really nervous about having to pivot back to direct to consumer. I was like, this might be, you know, this might, this might crack us. Where are your sales now? You were close to a million in your first year. Are you able to disclose? Um, yeah. I mean, I went from like I, that first year I, that I distributed, I feel like I, I was under five, but you know, like three, something like that. Then the second year I was distributing, I guess, 2020, we jumped to almost six, which we doubled, you know? And, and then after that, you know, our run rate was higher. And then now we're just dealing with other, you know, it's, it's so crazy. I was there's always me. something, right? <laughs> Yeah, it's like, like there's always going to be some kind of challenge, whether it's a pl- pandemic or like a shortage of wheat or what, you know, exactly. what I- right. Yeah. And you you always, at least for me, I find that I try my best to foresee what we could prevent, but then like know that something that you have no idea is going to hit you about, even if everything's smooth for six months to a year. And what does your team look like now? It's, I think it's a little over 30. We're a little that's over amazing. And, and well, it's in the offices is a little over 30. That's incredible. And so that obviously is across all divisions, sales, distribution, operations, yeah, not marketing, the not the bakery. Um, when we bake, we're about to take over one of our co-packers, which is, you know, there because it's just going to be a little more cohesive. So they're about 15 to 20 there. So when we do that, I guess in the next month, we'll be, we'll be a bigger team. But we're 30 now. Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing agency providing high-quality podcast production made simple and affordable. I hit the jackpot when I came across Hivecast. As I pieced together services from contractors all over the web initially to help me with my podcast, Hivecast was everything 
that I needed all in one place. For just $500 per month, they not only produce and edit four episodes, but they also create the marketing assets. Emma, my account manager, is amazing, making sure that I'm on task and that we can schedule episodes regularly and by my deadlines. Honestly, the time saved working with Hivecast is worth at least triple what I'm paying. Their sister company, Fireside, offers other marketing services for small businesses, including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, search engine marketing, and so much more. Again, all at a rate palatable by a small business owner. The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FOUNDHER and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. So you said something that I think is very interesting that comes up a lot when I talk to, um, you know, small business owners and, you know, everyone always talks about the algorithm, right? Like the algorithm. And you're right. Like there was an algorithm change that impacted and and that happens often. You know, um, the social media platforms often change the way they distribute content. But I do know exactly what you're talking about when there was a big grand shift and things really slowed down from organic growth. What were some of the things that you realized from that algorithm algorithm change? Not just that you needed distribution, but you know, I, I you think can't just, some- yeah, you can't just focus on one platform. You have to consistently change and like be ever evolving in how how you're connecting with people and how you're growing. You know, yes, because I I think that all too often people get when something's working they get stuck in putting all their eggs in that one basket. And when it's not yours and you don't have control, you're really at someone else's mercy. Mm -hmm. And that's really probably where you were at in the beginning. And it probably opened your eyes, I'm assuming, to other avenues of promotion. Yes. And I find that even more recently, like I would say this last year, it's not the same when you work with uh, like, that whole sending something to an influencer so that they can unbox it. I mean, I think an experience is probably a better option. It's more organic, you know, creating experience for five people that work in that industry that you're trying to tap into is a much better, you know, uh, way of getting, I guess, that product in into that um, group of people because they're going to talk about it you're going to have had an amazing experience. (laughs) Totally. What are some of the other ways that you garner awareness and growth through, through various marketing tactics? Because, you know, I know also in the food industry, there's a lot of sampling involved. And I know also with the pandemic that really was also shelved and, and there was really no more taste testing. It's, it's sampling is, I don't, I don't want to say it's a thing of the past because I know people are evolving their samples and people are prepackaging and, and I know it's kind of created a whole situation for food brands, but what are some of the things that you're doing off Instagram to really showcase your products? Because it's not, you know, the other thing too, is when I first was introduced to your products, very similar to in 2014, it was the bars. That's what was pitched to me. Right. But you have all of these other products now that really go across different areas of the grocery store. So what do you do? So we try to think of, you know, I guess I was saying experiences, like we really try to tap into the types of humans 
that would use, you know, like cake mixes, let's say when we just launched that and we try to put together an experience, not so much for Instagram, but um, for like, I guess even TikTok, Pinterest, there's so many different LinkedIn, I would say is a really great uh, platform because if you can talk like uh, as far as culture and your company, what's happening at Eat Me Guilt Free, like about our grant, like I think people are more interested sometimes in supporting a brand, you know, obviously a product has to be good, right? But um, because of what they they resonate with it and what the, the brand's mission is and what they're doing. Um, so that's, I think all those different platforms are, you have to speak, I guess, LinkedIn when you're on LinkedIn, you have to speak TikTok when you're on TikTok. Yeah, you're hundred percent right. You do, you have, you have to speak the language of the community that you're reaching in that platform. And that's, but something that you just brought up that I, I do want to make sure we touch upon is your, you glow girl grant program, because you do a lot to support the female entrepreneur world. And obviously that is something that we are so aligned on. Mm-hmm. And um, I would love for you to talk about that and tell us what it is that you do and how you help to support other female founders. Yeah. So in 2020, while we were all home and had so much time to like, you know, introspect, uh, we did that as a brand too. Uh, and I had always been struggling, like, what is our give back mission, you know, because we do beach cleanups and, you know, save the trees. And and what really resonated was, you know, supporting women, other women entrepreneurs for us. So that's how the You Glow Girl, which is a women's entrepreneur grant, grant was born. And it was really interesting because I most of them are just about a, a grand prize, like a financial um, prize. And I think one of the things that really makes you Glow Girl stand out is that it's a holistic, because I'm a nurse, so it's a very holistic um, package. It supports your mind. Like our first year, we, the mentorship, we have a mentorship with me, right? Because that's all I had at the time. <laughs> now it's still, it's, you know, I'm still mentoring our winner from the first year. Um, we gave them a Peloton because it was pandemic. So other types of working out, but that's incredibly important. Um, what else did we didn't have the therapy sessions because this year the grand prize will include like a, a monthly check-in with a, a licensed mental health professional and that app calm and uh class pass, if I'm not mistaken. So we kind of like really tried to hone in on what do women entrepreneurs really need, you know, and that's how we kind of improve it year after year is our second year. And we had our first workshop, which we kind of touched upon when we were just talking you and I alone, because I wanted to like kind of expand beyond this one person. As I I realized that there were so many people that would reach out since I do share um, maybe sometimes a little too much, you know, (laughs) with what what I'm going through and. um, No, but that's how you relate and connect to people, you know? And so, I mean, that's really my next question is here you are, you know, mentoring someone and teaching someone and then through a workshop as well on not just the professional, but also the personal aspect of being a founder. So what are some things that you do in your personal life and your professional life to kind of help manage those two things? Because I do 
not even I think, I know that so many female founders and entrepreneurs really struggle with that. Yeah. Yeah. And I found that um, most women entrepreneurs really struggle, particularly if they're a parent with like feeling guilty about, you know, having this, it's almost like, you know, it's not almost, it is like having another child mm-hmm. dedicating all this time to. And I find that one of the, the most important things that I learned was really honing in and being, it sounds so cliche, but being present with, if I'm working, I'm working, you know, and maybe it sounds harsh, like to my children or to someone else when I say it, but I mean, unless you're bleeding from the mouth, then I will stop when I'm yes. <laughs> no, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And when I'm with them, I, you know, hundred percent am with them because I find that I stopped feeling guilty because I really realized that I'm giving whatever I'm doing hundred percent of who I am. And I felt terrible because I was constantly trying to do both at the same time. And, and it I doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. So really, you know, compartmentalizing, even though they say you can't compartmentalize, you can set boundaries, I guess is the best, is the best way to describe. I think learning how to set boundaries for, you know, my life as an entrepreneur and for my family and, and relationships, even realizing that I could date, right. I thought that that wasn't even a possibility and and I had to give myself space to be able to do that. So, um, I also, I think we talked about mental health. I, I really got into yoga. I want to say in 2019 before the pandemic. And I remember really hating it when I was younger, (laughs) Like I would try it at red gyms and I was like, ah, and now it's such a huge part of my life because that connection to like that inner part of myself yeah. is so important for your mental sanity when you're going through this. That's so awesome. And what do your kids think of all this? How old are your kids now? So 21, my oldest is 21. She works at Eat Me Guilt Free again. She's kind of, she was working there, left and came back um, 20 and 15. Okay. So they're, they're older, but they've been, I mean, it's been eight years. So they were, one of them was, you know, pretty little when I started, they are now that they've become older, I can see that that whole concept of leading by example is so important because I can, you know, I can see a lot of the things that, you know, are are integral in being able to like not necessarily be an entrepreneur because what if you don't want to be an entrepreneur, just to achieve what you want sometimes and reach a goal, them watching me do it. I, I can, I can see that they're starting to follow those steps and it's really, it's really nice to see, you know, and that's amazing to hear also as a mom of two daughters who are 11 and eight, mm-hmm. you know, that's what you want. That's all you want when you're giving all of this time away from them. And you want to know that down the road, that is how it's going to be received. Right. Yeah. And I do. I do just want to say really quickly, because most people are listening right now. You would not believe that Christy has a 21 year old and a 20 year old. I just like, like eat me guilt free. Like I'm like, I'm going to have to get some more email, eat me guilt free because whatever you're eating, I want to eat too. So (laughs) I mean, really and truly you would not like, and I, I, it's important, I think to say those things when we're on this because people don't, aren't necessarily going to see you. Um, but it's, I mean, I can't believe you have a 21 year old. Yeah. And actually there are relationships with your kids. I think, cause I hear a lot of, that's one of the biggest struggles when, when someone is a parent that I find it's not always, you know, I, I have had, you know, one of my children tell me, you know, like you didn't ask me 
how my day was. You know what I mean? Like sometimes this, you know, so you, you, you do like kind of like get here from them things that you're like, Oh my goodness, am I, am I making a mistake? But then I find, I have found in my experience, you know, it may not be someone else's that because I really, as I've gotten, I guess, more seasoned at doing this and, and really balancing, like I said, the two of being present, I found that they enjoyed the fact or, or, you know, I guess it embraced it and are doing it themselves now. So they start, you know, they, <laughs> I stopped hearing, you know, that whole um, story because, you know, you respond to it as a parent when someone, when your child says, Hey, you know, you're not asking me how my day is. It's like, right. Right. <laughs> so, mean. What's next for eat me guilt-free? So currently we just launched as far as products go or just products and like initiatives, you know, I mean, you, you do a lot, you do a lot socially as well. So, yeah. So that workshop was less than a month ago and that was pretty, pretty cool. I, I think having events for you, Glow Girl and what other women's entrepreneurs is something that we really want to get involved in doing. I think it it's good for the culture of, of Eat Me Go Free, everybody who works there. I think it's good for what we stand for. Um, so I think having events and I think um, we we started to, like even our marketing campaigns are, are reflective of this. We've started to, I guess, support a lot of artists, um, you know, like last year in our Basel, like that are women artists. So that are creatives. We started to, align with a lot of, I guess, disruptors of their industries. Um, so whenever I can find an opportunity to do something like that, that's something that we, which I think is important to point out because I think, and you said this earlier in the conversation, like, you know, just like influencers, like, it's just like, you know, like, it's just like, I think everyone's kind of over the whole, like sending product out and having someone hold it up and show it because it just doesn't translate anymore. But I love what you just said that you are trying to work with disruptors and people who are influential in their own space is Mm -hmm. a very different game than working with just someone who's an influencer and has a lot of followers because they're on social media. And I love that you said that and that you're doing that because I think a lot of brands can really take from that and take from the the understanding of the difference of what those two things are. I mean, because an influencer is is so different than an influential. Yeah, because I would say that it's not, I guess, it, it doesn't sound like, you know, there's this ROI to it, right? Like, that's what everybody wants to know. There's there's really not. Sometimes it's not quantifiable. Just like, I guess, a long time ago, there were billboards and you probably didn't know <laughs> what came of right. it. Same thing here. But I think whatever, you know, your brand stands for and whatever you're doing, it makes sense to collaborate and 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 do things with other brands that are similar. I think it, it totally, so I guess that's the type of thing, you know, you're asking me earlier, what are you guys doing? That's kind of what we're doing. And it seems to be organically working, you know, well, collaborations and partnerships are so much better in my opinion for a brand than an influencer campaign that you're like paying for. And it's like clearly paid when you partner and collaborate with someone, it's because you organically speak each other's languages. And so it, it comes off more natural people. It resonates with people, but people connect with it much better. And when there's no money exchanged and it is a p- actual partnership, which like, th- then it, it just, you can tell. Yeah, no, for sure. And that translates. For absolutely. And I think, um, 
the other thing you do well being on this podcast, I guess at some point we were we were like kind of kicked around the idea of having a podcast free me guilt free. But I don't know. We'll we'll see to be to be determined because that's a that's something we can else. talk offline about that. Yeah, to tackle that's something else to tackle that we're not sure if we can bite that off this year. You bite, you know, might be too much. Let's see. We'll talk about that. <laughs> I have some feelings about that. So before I let you go. I'd love for you to share with us kind of the exact same. I ask every one of my guests at the end to share three actionable tips that you would give an, an entrepreneur, a founder, someone who's just starting out that they could do now. Yeah. If they've already started their business, I would say really defining uh, kind of what was in my workshop, what the I am of the business, like why they're doing it, I think is really important because that way, you know, if what you're doing, you know, it's easy to make decisions. What does that align with, with what, you know, why I'm doing this? If not, then forget it. Um, actionable. I would say writing down, you know, that I know it sounds crazy, but or having a vision board, I think is, it sounds very hocus pocus, but I, I think that also helps you align, you know, what that end game looks like to you or what it feels like is, is huge. And um, I think executing um, every single day, even if it's a phone call, even if it's a phone call, doing something towards that goal, even if that something is taking the day off, you know what I mean? Because you need mental health is, is what's important right now. Um, making sure that you're taking some sort of action, even if it's no action. <laughs> Christy Basu, founder and CEO of Eat Me Guilt Free. Thank you so much for oh, being here, you. for sharing your wisdom, your story. I am so excited to share this with our listeners and I cannot wait to see what happens next with you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Lindsay, for having us on. I promised you that Christy's story was so incredibly inspiring and I hope that you feel the same way walking away from today's conversation. As always, there are so many takeaways to be had from this conversation. I'll be sending all of them out to my email list, so make sure that you subscribe to the show notes. When you do, you'll also get a lesson every week to help you grow your own business. But for now, here are top the top five takeaways from today's episode. Number one, when you start seeing month-to-month growth, you realize that it's going to work and it can work. You can sort it out, but you can also make it happen. Number two, speak the language of the community you're reaching when you're speaking on different platforms. When you're on TikTok, talk TikTok. When you're on Instagram, talk Instagram. You have to change your voice and your tone in order to meet your community where they are. Number three, work with people who are influential in their own space, not necessarily people who have the most followers. Number four, define the why of your business. This way, you know if what you are doing aligns with your decisions and your why. Write down what you want to achieve or have a vision board of what the end game looks and feels like. And number five, execute every day. Even if it's just a phone call, do something towards that goal. Take some action, even if there is no action. I want to thank Christy so much for being here for today's episode of Dear Founder. And thank you to everyone who's tuned in. If you like what you're hearing, please make sure that you take out that phone, scroll all the way down and click that five-star rating or leave a review. When you do this, it helps others to find not only us, but the amazing female entrepreneurs that we feature here each and every week. You can also subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify or wherever it is that you listen so that you never miss an episode. If you know someone who wants to start their own business or who has an idea, please text them this episode. 
It is so inspirational. Christy started this business from her kitchen. You could also tag me on Instagram. I'll make sure to share some of those to say thank you. Stay tuned for another episode of Dear Founder coming your way every Tuesday and Thursday.